Hello, welcome to City Church. I hope you're all doing well. Um, at halftime, I was in Scotland walking up some mountains with Simon, who leads our Bradley Stoke site, celebrating uh, a milestone birthday. I won't say more than that. Um, we had a great time, but there were a few incidents. Uh, the first thing was that on the first night, one of the guys with us, and we were sleeping in a kind of hostel-style uh, bunk room of six people one of the guys was violently ill right the way through the night so when we claim, came to climb the first uh, Munro that is uh, a Scottish mountain over 3,000 feet um, I was really tired uh, and I know I look like I'm in peak physical condition uh, but let me tell you I found it really tough um, one of the guys who was with us found it so tough um, that he his boots were rubbing and so on the way down he was kind of grabbing onto tree branches to try and kind of lessen the impact on his feet and kind of leaning on rocks with his hands uh, to try and sort of break his fall as he was um, going down. Anyway, it, his hands were then so sore that on the way back uh, they had to pull the car over by the side of the road uh, and he got out and he was shaking his hands and his wedding ring flew off into the darkness and so there's uh, various guys like on their hands and knees like searching around for this wedding ring which they found praise the lord um but then he was kind of he did it again and it flew off into the darkness again so it was like one of those comedy films where you feel like what on earth is going to happen next Anyway, that was just the first day of the trip, but suffice it to say, I survived uh, to tell the tale. Uh, today, we're continuing our series in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And this message today is going to be a little bit different from normal in the sense that I want to try and catch the heart of Habakkuk as one of the Old Testament prophets. And the section of Habakkuk that we're looking at today is really a heart cry or a prophetic burden. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to try and be true to the spirit of that. Um, if you haven't heard the last few messages, Habakkuk is living at a time of real upheaval. Uh, the nation of Israel uh, is in massive decline and... Um, we see in this book Habakkuk um, bringing two complaints to God about the desperate state that the people of God find themselves in. And God responds to each complaint. But uh, what is surprising is that he says, I'm going to deal with the injustice in the land by bringing the Babylonians and taking God's people into exile. And Habakkuk is wrestling with what God has said. Um, but now in chapter three, we have Habakkuk's heart cry to God, which is a prayer. Um, we're just going to look at the first couple of verses. So we're in uh, Habakkuk chapter three, starting from verse one. It says this, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. So if you're new to church or unfamiliar with this, um, a prophet is someone who hears from God, who receives a message from God to then share 
with the people. So it says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigionoth. Now, what on earth does that mean? Well, scholars aren't quite clear what that term means, um, but it's probably a poetic or a musical term. So this may well be a type of psalm, or it may even be uh, a musical instrument. So this might have been a prayer that was sung. Um, Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it uh, for you. Um, So let's continue. Verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk is remembering all the wonders that God has done, the miracles that he did to set the people free from slavery in Egypt, then parting the Red Sea and leading his people out, bringing them into the promised land and establishing the kingdom under David. God has done awesome wonders and demonstrated his power and majesty. Um, And, you know, we've seen uh, then, though, the history of Israel start to decline. But then there'd been something of a revival in the time of King Josiah when the book of the law had been found and Josiah made sweeping reforms. But even then it didn't last and God's people continued to fall into unfaithfulness. And so now Habakkuk is praying, do it again, Lord, amidst the corruption and sorry state of God's people. He's asking God to move again in power. God has also moved in amazing ways in this nation in the past. Maybe you've read about the Welsh Revival that happened uh, at the beginning of the 20th century, just over 100 years ago. Um, uh, James and Christian and I are are studying for a master's at the moment, and we're studying the evangelical revival uh, in the 1730s in Britain. Um, So think of John Wesley and George Whitfield preaching to the miners in Kingswood in Bristol. at that time in the midst of moral decline in the nation and a fairly legalistic church, God broke out and reached to the margins of society and swept thousands of people into the kingdom of God. Or think about the awakening in America in the late 1850s, the power of God coming, people being filled with the spirit, people crying out under the conviction of sin and coming to Jesus in repentance. I want to see those kind of things again in our day and how we need it, don't we? When we look at the challenges in the world today, people struggling economically, people struggling with famine in Africa or people suffering in Ukraine and, and you do think, Lord, have mercy. I've seen glimpses of revival myself, just like whispers and rumours. When I was a youth pastor in London, in the space of just one year, uh, we saw 24 young people give their lives to Jesus. It was an incredible time. Um, and over the, at that, around that time, over the space of a couple of years, um, our young people were involved in running Alpha in eight different secondary schools uh, in southeast London. And God is working now. 
I'm so excited about the numbers we have on Alpha at the moment. 50 people is amazing. And the fact that uh, up to half of them are teenagers is wonderful. And I'm also hearing encouraging stories at the moment. Uh, recently, I was at two days of prayer and fasting uh, with our Commission family of churches. Um, and I heard a story of a food bank in Darlington in the north of England um, that's connected to a church. And that, that food bank has seen 83 people become Christians since the outbreak of COVID. Isn't that fantastic? I'm longing for God to move in revival in our nation. Don't you want to see that? When I was uh, much younger, in my late teens, as, as a fairly new Christian in Manchester, there was a lady in our church called Faith. Um, and she was what I would, a person who I would call a prayer nutter. Uh, she would pray these passionate prayers full of heartfelt desperation. Oh God, won't you come? Won't you move? It was, to be honest, it was slightly intimidating, but it was also amazing. And um, we need more of that kind of passion and edge. Some of you have got that in you and we need it uh, to come out. Um, our danger isn't that we're too passionate or too loud. Our danger is probably that we're a bit polite and maybe a bit comfortable. So. Why don't we just pause for a moment right now and I want us to call on God together now and pray for revival. Um, we're going to do it just for a couple of minutes. Um, so why don't you stand with me now and let's cry out to God together. And I want you to do it with all of your being. Don't hold back. I'm going to be praying, um, but after I get going, uh, I want you to drown me out because you're calling on God loudly and passionately. So let's ask him to come in revival power in our nation and in this city and each one of us. Let's pray. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Lord, there is so much darkness in our nation and God, we're asking you, won't you come? Won't you break out? We've talked about these revivals that have happened in the past. Lord, won't you move again? Won't you do something in our day, in our time? Lord, do it amongst us. Don't just move in revival in other places. Please stop here. Do something here. Lord, on our Alpha, would you move in power, in every aspect of the life of our church, across all the churches in Bristol, in schools, in universities, in workplaces, on streets, in different towns surrounding Bristol. Won't you, God, won't you break out? Won't you show your mercy? Break out in the way you did in the days of Wesley and Whitfield, preaching to the miners in Kingswood. God, won't you go right to the margins of our society, sweep people into your kingdom. Lord God, cause us problems with all the people who are encountering you. Cause us problems with being able to disciple and having enough 
groups to care for people. We're asking you to come in Jesus' mighty name. Pour out your spirit again, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please uh, take a seat. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't thought or prayed enough about revival in my Christian life. I feel challenged to my core uh, that I need to do that. I've tended to be passive in praying because, you know, you can feel so helpless to make anything happen, which, of course, is totally true. We can't make anything happen, but we should persist in praying. And that's why we should persist in praying for God to break in, particularly when circumstances are tough. That's what Habakkuk was doing. He was demonstrating faith in the darkness. He's longing for God to turn the nation around, to do again the wonders he's done in years gone by. But any kind of national revival or renewal starts with radical change in people. Or to put it another way, corporate revival starts with personal revival. You see it in revivals like on the Isle of Lewis in the Hebrides in 1949, one of the greatest revivals in the history of the United Kingdom. Duncan Campbell, uh, the preacher at the centre of the revival, later described how it began. Seven men and two women had decided to pray. One night at a prayer meeting held in a barn, a young man took his Bible and read from Psalm 24. Who may ascend the the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. He shut his Bible and said, it seems to me just so much sentimental humbug to be praying as we're praying, to be waiting as we're waiting here, if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. He asked God to reveal if his own hands were clean and his own heart was pure. That night, God met with them in a powerful way. As they waited on God, his awesome presence swept through the barn. Three three of the men were lying on the straw, having fallen under the power of God. And four miles away, two sisters aged 82 and 84 had a vision of God. They saw the churches crowded and the youth and the community flocking into the churches. They had a glorious assurance that God was coming in revival power. Duncan Campbell, as, as a pastor, was invited to come and speak to them. When he arrived in the parish church, it was packed out with hundreds waiting outside. No one could explain where all the people had come from. Within 10 minutes of that service starting, men and women were crying out to God. They were meeting with God in all his holiness. There was such a sense of the presence of God on the island that a businessman visiting said, the moment I stepped ashore, I was suddenly conscious of the presence of God. The people caught up in that revival came to understand that widespread revival starts with personal revival. But so often we can feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm not in a place even to be praying for revival. We can feel like, oh, I'm never going to change. Well, let me try and illustrate this for you. 
Um, earlier this year, I took up running. Uh, I've never run before. Uh, I've never even been a mild jogger. I was the person who would kind of, you know, scoff at people I saw out running in the rain as I drove past, um, just thinking to myself, what's the point? You know, why would you do it to yourself? Um, well, I did take up running um, because of the Scotland trip that I mentioned at the start. I thought I need to improve my fitness uh, level a bit. Ha ha. Uh, that didn't quite go the way I expected. Anyway, so when I took up running, I, I started Couch to 5K, um, just used the app and started that after Easter. Um, and I enjoyed it so much that I carried on running. Now, don't get me wrong, I found it hard. I was literally doing the, you know, run for 30 seconds, walk for 30 seconds or whatever it is. Um, I did find it hard, but as I got into it, I found it more and more rewarding. And I discovered it's had a positive impact on my overall well-being. So I finished Couch to 5K. Uh, I can now run 5K non-stop. Uh, I finished that in early summer, um, but I've continued running two or three times a week uh, ever since. And actually, I've now run about 300 kilometers since the start of August. Now, I know some of you would be like, I run 300K a week, and, and yeah, fair play to you. Um, but that's a lot for me. Um, now, I'm not telling you this to show off or congratulate myself, but it's simply to demonstrate that change is possible. If you'd have told me even a year ago that I would be running regularly and enjoying it, I would have laughed. I mean, I would have really laughed. Um, but it's just a small example that actually we can change and change is possible. Is there a sense in you that you long for change? It might be a particular area of your life in a relationship that you uh, wish was healthier or uh, an unhealthy habit or pattern of sin that you want to be free of or things that you want to build into your Christian life or it might be that you long to be more on fire for God. I want to encourage you, change is possible. But unlike trying to get fit, this isn't about willpower alone because as we've said you can't make anything happen ultimately we can't change ourselves it's about coming to God like Habakkuk did and asking him to change you you can't revive yourself any more than a dead body can bring itself back to life but God can just like you can't make yourself Christian, God has to bring you to life. And just like Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb after he'd been dead for three days, and Jesus himself rose from the dead, God can do it. Maybe there's things in your life that you feel are beyond hope. It's like they're dead and buried. Maybe it's a relationship or your career or something else that you thought you were going to do and you feel like it's all over, that it's hopeless. Well, humanly, it might be, but with God, anything 
is possible. All you can do is ask. Ask God to revive you and pray. Ask him to move in your life. You can pray, revive me, Lord. Start with me. So often when we're faced with a desperate situation, you know, like the challenges that uh, the country is facing at the moment and the situation that Habakkuk found himself in, we say like Habakkuk, Lord, when are you going to do something? And that's totally natural. But if we're not careful, that can slip into what I would call an immature reaction that goes something like this sort everyone else out. The problems are out there. It's them. They're the problem. God, why don't you sort them out and it will all be okay. But what we've learned from Ash last week is that rather than pointing our finger at others, the finger of accusation inevitably turns to us because the problems aren't just out there, are they? They're in here. It's not just darkness in the world, there's darkness in me. And the more mature response is to say, Lord, start with me. Deal with the sin and darkness in my heart. It's not just about having faith to endure the darkness in the world, but having faith despite the darkness in our own hearts. So we can ask God to revive us. The second thing you can do in terms of God reviving you is put yourself in the right place. What do I mean by that? It's, it's easy, uh, again, to look around um, and see God moving in everyone else's lives, but think, well, what about me? You're blessing them, you're speaking to them, you're filling them with your spirit, you're setting their hearts on fire. What about me, Lord? I want you to picture in your mind for a moment a waterfall. It's one thing to see it, maybe admire its beauty, marvel at its power, or to see other people um, enjoying it and getting drenched by it. But it's another thing to experience the waterfall for yourself, especially if you're dry and thirsty. If you're so thirsty, You just want to get under that waterfall to get soaked through and drink it in. And that's a picture of God's spirit reviving his people. You've got to position yourself to meet with God, not hang back, not just observe others enjoying God, but getting in there yourself and receiving from him. And there's many different ways that you can put yourself in the right place. I'm just gonna mention a few. First one is friendships. Who do you spend time with? Do you have at least one good Christian friend who is like Jesus, who you can spend time with and be inspired by, by their prayer life, by their character, who can encourage you and you can encourage, where you can pray for one another and speak into one another's lives? Is there someone who can challenge you or tell you when you need a bit of an attitude adjustment? Have you got anyone like that who can speak to you like that? If there isn't, I wanna encourage you, start building a friendship with a Christian who you respect. I'm so thankful 
for a few friendships that I've built over many years. Um, that, and those people do that for me. My wife, Jess, uh, is that kind of friend to me. But I've got friends uh, outside Bristol that I keep in touch with, and then in the church, friends like Stuart and Christian and James, and, and I could go on and on. We need one another. We need people inputting into our lives, sometimes to encourage us, to support us, sometimes to challenge us. Second way that you can position yourself uh, for God to move in your life is through groups. If you're not part of a connect group, I challenge you that you're missing an opportunity to encounter God, to be refreshed and to be revived. I know it's a commitment and it's not always easy to get there, but when you get to a group, when you commit to a group of friends, when you commit to a community, you put yourself in the place where God can meet with you. And a third way you can do that is uh, by making it to prayer meetings. Uh, we have a, a, a church prayer meeting every Tuesday morning on Zoom, just for half an hour. Um, and next year, we're hoping to run a, a monthly prayer meeting, probably on a Sunday evening. If you want to change, if you want to meet with God, to be revived and to call on God for revival, then don't miss an opportunity to pray and to meet with God for yourself. And lastly, um, through serving. I find that when I serve, I am stretched beyond my own ability and my own capacity. And when that happens, it throws me onto God. It forces me to pray, but also I find that I meet God in those moments and those situations. So we each need to take action and get ourselves into the right place. When I was thinking and praying uh, about uh, this subject, I had a picture of us. Um, I think this is for many of us as, as Christians. Uh, and it was like someone who was tucked up in their duvet and didn't want to get out of bed. It's nice and warm. You know what it's like a cold Monday morning. You just don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to go to work. And I felt like that was a picture uh, of our Christian lives. Uh, you know, under the duvet, it's like w we can feel like Jesus has saved me and I'm safe with him. I'm tucked up. I don't want to get up and go out there into the big bad world where it's challenging and hard. I, you know, I want to just stay here. I feel like God would say to us, wake up, get up. God has saved you in order that you would be his hands and feet in the world. My Christian life hasn't been a straight line. Uh, it's been marked by seasons of progress, then passivity and then revival. Uh, and I know I need God to keep coming, keep waking me up, keep reviving me. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul writes, um, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit because we so easily lose our fervour and go off the boil. So if you're feeling helpless or in despair, there is hope 
for change. If you feel desperate, that's actually a good thing because God is inviting us to meet with him and pray for him to move. All you can do is ask God to do it and position yourself to encounter him afresh. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God's wrath and mercy are reconciled at the cross. His anger and judgment on sin have been poured out on his son Jesus. And through faith in Christ, a great exchange takes place. Jesus takes all our sin and shame upon himself and he gives us his righteousness. We receive mercy. We become children of God. And as sons and daughters of the living God, we can ask God to come and revive us. In a little while, uh, we're going to give an opportunity to respond if you'd like God to revive you. I think most of us will feel like we need that. So I encourage you to make the most of that opportunity. Um, but let me pray for us all now. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is the power of God to us. And Lord, I want to pray a simple prayer. Please revive us. I need to wake up. Spirit of God, come upon us now. Revive us. Move in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.